Hi, everybody. My name is Joey Fight. I'm the founder of thephysicaleducator.com and a physical education teacher here in Montreal, Canada. Welcome back to the Phys Ed Show podcast. And also, Happy New Year. Uh, this is the first episode of 2021. I hope that you all had an awesome break, that you were able to relax and recharge a little bit and get yourselves ready for what's sure to be a totally normal, uh, nothing out of the ordinary business as usual kind of school year that we've got lined up ahead of us here. Um, because really this last past year has just been super bland, uh, no big news, nothing like that. Um, you know, just regular business kind of stuff. Uh, just kidding. Everything's uh, burning and on fire. Um, but I do hope that you are, that you're feeling good and that you've got enough, uh, teaching experience right now under your belt. I mean, distance learning experience under your belt and teaching in a pandemic experience. Uh, that you're feeling pretty good about what's coming up uh, next. And if you aren't, just know that, know that I'm here for you. There are a lot of teachers who are here for you, wanting to support, wanting to help you get through this, and that there is nothing wrong with lowering your usual standard of quality in your teaching so that you can survive and that you can get through this um, and that you can serve your students as best as you can, even if right now all that means is just being a shoulder for them to lean on and and feel like things are okay. So today's episode, I'm not going to lie to you, today's episode is uh, pretty out of the ordinary. It's a little different than anything else I, I usually do. Uh, I'm really using this as, as a way to kind of knock the cobwebs out of my head that have accumulated over a break where I've tried my very best to unplug as much as possible for a whole slew of reasons, which I'll get in at some point. But for right now, just know that I tried stepping away from everything for a while, uh, and I want to start it off because one of the top questions that I get are, what are the apps, what are the tools that I use in my teaching, uh, but also for creating resources on the site, and um, I figured it'd be fun to kind of go through my stack that I used for 2020. So when I say my stack, I just mean the apps and the tools that I use on a regular basis for my usual workflows, but also just for uh, getting me through each and every day. And listen... I, not going to lie, like, I love content like this. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been on Product Hunt or the website Your Stack, but just try and find out all the different apps and tools that other people use. I just find that so intriguing and so interesting, and it's such a huge time suck, and it's a total waste of time because the reality is, like, I can spend hours and hours and hours researching, I don't know, the, the perfect mind mapping app when really like all I need is a piece of paper and a pencil. But it's fun. I like geeking out about it. I like dorking out on this stuff. Uh, and I'm kind of excited to talk about all the different stuff that I do use because I don't usually talk about this stuff. And l let's talk about that for a second. One of the main reasons why I don't talk about the apps and tools that I use, um, well, there's a couple. First of all, uh, I want you to know that like a lot of the revenue that I generate through the physicaleducator.com goes right back into the physicaleducator.com. So whenever, uh, you know, I'm looking at, okay, how could I speed up the process in terms of creating more content, making it easier for me to share ideas, share resources with teachers? Uh, I invest heavily back into those kinds of tools. This has been especially true this past year, which has been super, super weird because of the fact that for a big portion of it, I was locked in my apartment with my wife and my son because we we're in lockdown. And, you know, you're trying to balance all these hats of being a teacher, being a dad, being a content creator, um, being a regular human being. And your time is very, very limited and your energy is really limited. And the um, 
the the barrier or the 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 level to which I get really frustrated with things is was extremely low just because I was running on empty for a, a long time there. So the idea is that I want to find apps and tools that are going to help me kind of streamline a lot of that so that I can get the most done as possible in as little time as possible because. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to this. When the first lockdown first happened back in in March, uh, you know, I wasn't sleeping well. Like I was just staying up super late every night. Like I was staying up to like midnight or 1 a.m. Desperately trying to figure out how to go about this online teaching stuff. And then I was getting up like at 4 a.m. Because instead of my alarm clock, it was just my anxiety waking me up. And I was like, I should just get to work now because I can't sleep anyways. And it it just became this really unhealthy lifestyle uh, that had a really big impact on my my mental well-being my physical well-being um so i had to try and restructure my life a little bit uh, and by a little bit i mean a lot to try and make sure that i was able to yes continue to produce continue to teach continue to do all these things that i need to do but also find some sense of balance so reinvesting in the site that way in terms of getting those apps getting those tools um helped a lot with that but i also know that for a lot of people um the things i'm going to be sharing today some of it's expensive and stuff like that I just want you to know you don't need all these things. Like when I first started the website, I I maxed out my credit card to buy a MacBook at the time, and I was um, I was too broke to like invest in anything uh, professional or anything that could really help me with content. So you just kind of hack your way through it and you put things together. And I think that's what's more important is just getting content out over time. As I've created more, as I've kind of built the website out. Uh, I've wanted to invest in trying to make things sound better, look better, feel better, um, and also just try and be a little bit faster so that I could do more, as I said, as I'm trying to balance everything. So um, that was a bit of a ramble, but really the first big reason is that I, I'm sharing all these things. And part of the reason why I don't usually share this is because I don't want you to ever think that you need these things to be able to get started, to be able to share your ideas. Um, I also don't talk about uh, the, the tools I use, the apps I use on a regular basis, and this is kind of aligned to that first point where I'm trying to make sure that any time, any energy that I do have to dedicate to the website uh, and to serving the teachers that visit it, um, that time, that energy is going towards the site, mis- uh, the site's mission, which is to help physical educators be the best teachers that they can be. So this content, although personally I find it really intriguing and I like, I like it and I dork out on this stuff, uh, it's not necessarily aligned to that. I do not think, I do not think that trying to uh, create crazy looking resources and stuff like that is any better than just being super consistent in your teaching, getting content out to your your students and developing relationships. Uh, I don't think that like walking people through how I make stuff is going to make them better teachers. And and I've seen this because I I work with my sister-in-law and you know, Alex, incredible teacher, incredible coach, has an idea in her head, just gets it out there. Whereas me, like I'm sitting down there and I'm spending like a week deciding which font I want to use for this poster and for this announcement and stuff like that. It's not necessarily effective. I'm proud of the work that I do. I'm proud of like the style that I've created over the years, um, the visual branding for the website, the visual branding for the resource I create. I'm proud of all that, but it's very much so unnecessary in, in a lot of ways. Um, so the second point there, like I was saying, is just that if it's not mission aligned, I usually don't try and dedicate any time to it. But like I said, I'm just trying to get back into the flow of creating stuff here. So I'm going to have a little fun with this podcast. Now, the third reason, and uh, I hate bringing this one up, um, but I will because it's caused me a ton of grief in the past. Uh, the third reason is uh, one of the big reasons why I don't share, uh, I don't talk about the tools that I use. 
um, and I don't share templates is because unfortunately in the past, uh, I've had people kind of rip my stuff. Uh, and by kind of rip my stuff, I mean absolutely rip my stuff. Like just, I found things like just where they've removed the branding and changed the branding on it and put it on their website uh, and they're selling it or people who take things that I've made and offered for free and then try and sell them. And I have, and if I'm being really honest, like I just have a really hard time from like a mental standpoint being able to deal with that kind of behavior. Uh, I find it really hurtful and and I have a hard time letting go. So it was just, at one point it was causing me like a lot of grief. Like I was having a really hard time with it and I was just finding myself miserable and like not wanting to post things and stuff like that. Um, and my wife uh, was actually the one who was like, you need to cut this out. Like you need to set yourself a boundary here. Uh, so I did. So one of my very clear lines is that I don't share, uh, I don't share the, the templates I make. I don't get into how I use the tools that I use. Um, what you're going to hear in this podcast, what you're going to see in the blog post that accompanies this podcast is the extent of what I'm comfortable sharing. And I'm going to ask that if you're somebody who's interested in stuff that you kind of respect that. Um, just because I need to be able to make sure that I'm able to keep moving forward, keep creating, keep sharing, uh, and not have to deal with all the kind of BS that just kind of comes with this stuff at times. So those are kind of my reasons why. But like I said, uh, it's 2021. Uh, at this time of the year, you often see people who are reflecting back on the apps they shared or, or the apps they use the most over the past year. People sharing their home screens. Oh my God, I love home screen posts where people kind of break down the apps on their home screen. It's just the best. Uh, MG Siegler does one every year who's a tech person I follow. Um and it's, I just love it. Um, so I figured I'd make one of my own. So in this podcast, what you will be hearing and learning about are three categories of apps and tools. So I'm going to be talking about the apps and the stuff I use for teaching, for creating, and for well-being. So just trying to stay healthy. And each one is going to have two sections. One's going to focus purely on the app side of things, so like the actual software. And then the other one's going to focus on tools, so hardware kind of stuff that I use um, for in that category. Uh, so let's dive right into it. Okay. We're going to talk about the apps I use for my teaching. And the first one I want to talk about, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's like a little mom and pop style app that kind of emerged. It's called zoom. Uh, it's gained some popularity over the past couple months. Uh, okay. I have a love hate relationship with zoom. I hate zoom because my entire freaking life is on zoom these days. We had Christmas on zoom. We have our weekly trivia nights on zoom. Uh, every meeting I have now is on Zoom, workshops I deliver on Zoom. I hate the fact that like this whole pandemic has robbed us of the opportunity of being face-to-face, hanging out together, having actual human interactions. Uh, and all this is like now like on Zoom and constantly be reminding people that they're on mute or that they're we can only see the bottom half of their face or things like that. Uh, but I actually do love Zoom. At the start of the pandemic, when we when we made the jump to distance learning, which was really, really fast, uh, we basically found out that, you know, we got, my wife and I were in South Carolina for uh, our March break. We got back. We found out we were going to have to quarantine because we we're coming from outside the country. Uh, obviously, we're here in Canada. And then um, two days, or not even two days later, that same day, sorry, they announced that schools were going to be closed. And then two days later, we were expected to start teaching online, even though we didn't really know what to do. Um, But we were allowed to use Zoom, and we just started using Zoom from the start. There were, I think grade six was using Google Meet for a little bit, but then they eventually switched to Zoom as well. Um, And Zoom, I have to say, like, hats off to them. I don't know what kind of, like, crazy magic they've got in their app. It is insane how stable Zoom is, uh, even like on on poor Wi-Fi connections. Uh, last June, when we were still in distance teaching, I asked my head of school if uh, if we could 
teach from Nova Scotia because we were in our apartment in Montreal and things were really crazy there. Uh, and we have access to, my wife's family has a, um, a cottage in Pugwash, Nova Scotia. Shout out to Pugwash. Uh, so we were able to go out there. And, you know, the internet out there isn't what you would get here in the city. Uh, but we had no issues, both of us Zooming at the same time, teaching our lessons online. So that was great. Uh, so Zoom had, you know, having the, obviously the waiting rooms come in with all the Zoom bombing that was happening at, at the start of the pandemic, which I never had to deal with. And I was very, very happy for that because that sounds like a horrifying situation for teachers. Uh, but also access to breakout rooms, the emoji reactions, the chat room uh, control, uh, the link management in terms of getting, making sure kids know where to be and how to get into their, their Zoom meetings, um, all of that is just is just the best. And also, one of my favorite things to do with Zoom is when we have faculty meetings where I know that like I'm probably not going to talk the whole time that we're in that, and the meeting is going to go on for like a couple hours. Uh, I would just pop my AirPods in, throw on, uh, turn off my video, turn on audio, and go for a walk. And it was really, really great. I really encourage you if you're in a similar situation, just use that Zoom meeting time for walking time. Um, and turn your screen off a little bit because I don't know. I feel like my eyes are killing me these days. I feel like my eyes are going to fall on my head. Um, so it's nice kind of disconnecting and sometimes you get to see birds. I'll talk more about birding later. Um, moving on. Next one is Google slides. So Google slides, nothing new, nothing revolutionary. It's actually pretty crazy. I feel like we take, we take a, the, the whole Google suite for granted. We forget how freaking amazing it is. It's just straight up magic every time we're using it. Um, but I've never really been into Google Slides. And a big reason is, uh, like I told you before, when I first started getting into content creation, maxed out my credit card, got myself a MacBook, and then I was too broke to buy any software for it. <laughs> um, so I couldn't get into the Adobe apps. I couldn't get, and uh, back at the time, Microsoft Office was like 300 or 400 bucks. I forget what it was, but I was like, I cannot do that. Um so I got myself iWork, which is Apple's suite of Office tools. So uh, pages, keynote numbers. Because uh, it was seventy nine dollars, which was fantastic. That I could I could find eighty dollars and and get into that. That's actually why I use Keynote to this day. I'll talk about Keynote a little bit later on. Um, and I never took the time to really learn how to use PowerPoint or really get into Google Slides because I was just using Keynote for everything. Uh, that said, though, when the pandemic hit and we had to make this big jump to distance learning. Um, Google Slides became one of the tools that I just found myself living in. So I'd used Google Slides before. I'd made things like the Heart Rate Viewer, which is like this interactive PDF slash Google Slides document where students can go in and they can um, find their find their heart rate for their heart rate zones depending on their age and things like that. So I'd, I'd used it before but never really dove deep into it. And then when we started getting to our distance learning adventures, uh, I realized that I could use Google Slides to create digital editable versions of all the assessment tools that I had already created for my units. So for example, in my Smart Goals Fitness unit, you know, the students have a bunch of reflection sheets that are part of their assessment in that unit. And I was able to use the the hack of taking a PDF, exporting as a JPEG or a PNG file, and then uploading that file as the background of your Google Slide. Um, and then putting text boxes over it to create an editable version of it. And it works like a charm. And I just started doing that with all kinds of things. And you can check out my blog post on Google Classroom Physical Activity Journals, where I kind of walk you through that whole process. And you can see how it's done. Um, 
but I'm just, I'm loving Google Slides these days. Not going to lie, usually I still design things in Pixelmator or Keynote, uh, which I'll talk about later again, uh, and use them as backgrounds in Google Slides just because you can design really nice looking things in Google Slides. It's just, it's a little bit more limited and you kind of have to hack your way through a couple of things to get to look exactly how you like. Um, but that said, like I I just started using slides more and more. And, and one one thing too that I did is that when we were when we were in in the total lockdown in the spring, uh, as I mentioned before, like I was just because you're given like unlimited amount of time and unlimited amount of resources through like everything that exists on the internet these days. Uh, you just I was spending so much time creating my my um, my slides for my lessons, my digital lessons. Uh, and that was just the perfectionism, uh, the perfectionist in me that was like unable to kind of like go of that. And at one point I decided that was just unhealthy. And what I did is I created a Google Slides template for my lessons that has like the what, why, how in it and all those kinds of things. And just decided like, this is what I'm going to be using. And I actually made a bit of a prettier version of that uh, that you can find on the website, the virtual P lesson template um, that I'll, I'll add a link in the show notes where you can find in the shop. It's free. Uh, so yeah, Google Slides huge advocate for it really big believer and really excited to kind of see like what i can keep doing with it now uh looking into add-ons and different things that you can be doing when you're using a web-based tool um next on the list is google classroom so google classroom is one of those things that i heard heard people preaching about and talking about how amazing it was and i never really felt the need to get into it uh and then last year at the start of the school year before the pandemic hit I knew that the grade six students were going to be using in their classroom. I was like, you know, this is a good opportunity for, for me to kind of create one and see how we can kind of use it and how it can kind of complement what we're doing. And we wanted to being perfect because when we made the jump, um, all the students were already familiar with the platform. It wasn't like they had to learn on the fly like some of the younger grades had to. So if you're somebody like me who uh, has a hard time managing all the content of your 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 units and your lessons, uh, Google Classroom makes it so easy to do that on the assignment side um, by creating topics and then preparing all of your assessment tools, your learning visuals, all of that, just having that all ready to go and then just being able to use the stream to d- distribute it and assign it to your students. Um, I use it for a couple different ways too. So obviously with the assignments piece, but I didn't just want it to be that Google Classroom was a place that you went to uh, find your assignments for class. I wanted to use Google Classroom as an opportunity to build and maintain a sense of community uh, around learning within our within our classes. So there was a couple different ways I did this. First of all, like things like birthday shout outs and just posting like funny things and everything to get the kids talking to each other. I thought that was really important in the spring. It was a practice I continued using uh, in the fall. Um, and then other things that I would do is I would share pieces of, of content that would complement what we were doing in class, but we didn't necessarily have time to look at in class. So an example of this is um, if you've ever seen Vox's Explain series, it's on Netflix, but you can also find some episodes on YouTube. They have an awesome one on cricket. And a couple of years ago in Seattle, I had Andy Hare, uh, shout out to Andy Hare. I hope he's doing good. Happy New Year, Andy. Uh, Try to teach me how to play cricket. And I had no idea what he was saying. I could not, for the life of me, understand how overs worked or how the scoring worked or what I was trying to do when I when I was uh, um, at bat or anything like that. Like, I just didn't understand what was going on. Um, and it was more of me being uh, just uh, not paying good enough attention to Andy's absolutely superb instructions is what was happening there. Um, 
But uh, if you watch that episode of Vox's Explain It on Cricket, uh, they offer an awesome breakdown of how the game works and how scoring works, and they go over some of the laws of cricket. Uh, and then it shows you how the sport has evolved over the years to become this like powerhouse like entertainment uh, sport that it is today. Um, and, uh, you know, I shared that in Google Classroom when we were in the middle of our striking fielding games unit with the grade sixes. To invite the students to watch it, it's like 16 minutes long. They can watch it on their own time. Then have a discussion in terms of like what they thought of the sport, its history, and also how it related to the different striking feeling games that we're we're exploring in class. So being able to offer different pieces uh, of content that complement what the students were learning in class is definitely a way that I really enjoy using Google Classroom. And that's true across grades. Like I have I have videos of me performing all the fundamental movement skills, and I'll upload that into Classroom before we view them in class, let's say with the grade threes. Uh, and also in Google Classroom, and I'm going to write a blog post about this. I was going to talk more about it here, but then I decided to say, this, this would be a great blog post on its own. Uh, in the spring, I hosted a rock, paper, scissors tournament for my grade sixes. And the thinking behind it was that I wanted to have something that was going to give me an opportunity to sit down with students one-on-one and just check in on how they're doing, making sure that I'm having that one-on-one to, uh, like contact with them um, th- through this distance learning experience. Kind of like what I would do in class where you're like greeting the students, you know, you're talking to them, you're trying to make sure you're making your rounds, getting to see everybody before the end of class. Uh, but it's really hard to do that in a digital space. So the Rock, Paper, Scissors tournament was a ton of fun. We used Google Classroom to like hype it up. Every day I would post a graphic saying who would be in the Rock, Paper, Scissors battle the next day. And then those two students would sign into Zoom at a specific time. Uh, it was always 11 o'clock every day. And um, we, we'd have a best of seven match. But, you know, I would spend some time like joking around with them. I had my virtual background on the back with like all these fans cheering. They would When they would log into Zoom, I'd have jock jams blasting. I'd wear funny outfits, stuff like that. Um, and then just kind of shoot the breeze with them for a little bit before we got into the battle. And we had a whole bracket and the whole class was involved. Uh, there were some ups and downs in the whole experience. But overall, uh, it was definitely a hit and it was a ton of fun. Um so yeah, so all that was kind of managed through Google Classroom. So moving along, uh, the next app too that I got into this year and falls into the same category as Classroom in terms of apps that I heard people absolutely singing the praises about, uh, but never took the time to really dive deep into it is Seesaw. So Seesaw is a platform where you can maintain um, student portfolios and it can be student-driven portfolios too. So students have access to being able to upload their own materials into their portfolio, which is really, really, really powerful. Um, now at our school, our grades three to six students are one for one with, um, the younger ones are with iPads, the older ones are with MacBooks and they all have Google accounts before grade three students do not have Google accounts. So we couldn't use Google classroom. And in the spring we tried all kinds of different things. There was all kinds of different, uh, different, uh, systems being used by the different grade levels. It was a bit of a mess as a specialist going back and forth between systems was really confusing. But eventually this year, we decided that, okay, we're going to use Seesaw K-2. Um, and that was fantastic because then all the students were able to have like a uni- unified approach to it. And all the students understood the platform and we were all able to pro- help them out with support and stuff like that. Um, Seesaw is really, really great. One of the reasons why I never used it before is the fact that I already maintained digital student portfolios in Google Drive. So at the start of the year, you know, I have a whole blog post on this. Um but basically, every student has their own folder in Google Drive. And in that folder, there's a folder for each unit we'll see throughout the year. And then I would just upload evidence to that. So videos, photos, scans of their work, stuff like that would just go into there. Uh, and when I made the switch to Seesaw, I was actually very impressed at how easy it was to use. 
Um, and also how nice it was to like upload the things into the portfolio and then be able to leave comments right on it and annotate images and, and things like that. I did find it slow compared to what I was doing in Google Drive. However, the fact that students and families had access to the folders right there, which we didn't drive to, so if families requested access, I would share them on the on the Google Drive folder. Um, but just having the students being really involved felt much more engaging. And uh, and I I really appreciated that aspect of Seesaw. Um, so much so that I want to like fully commit. So one thing I did is I typed up all of Shape America's national standards and grade level outcomes into the template that Seesaw provides you with to be able to upload standards and outcomes as what they call skills. And what's nice is that once they're uploaded as a skill and let's say you upload a piece of evidence from a student, uh, you can tag that piece of evidence with the skills that are being assessed so that it's able to pull uh, through all pieces of evidence for a specific outcome as the year goes on. So, you know, like at the start of the year, after we've done our welcome back unit, grades one and two get into their locomotor skills units. But those units are get revisited throughout the year at different points. So it's nice to be able to add evidence later on and then just pull it all together um, and, and see like that. So pretty great. I, I In the show notes or in the blog post that goes with this podcast, I share a link to a tweet where I share the link for those Shape America outcomes already typed up, as well as the instructions that you need for your Seesaw administrator to be able to upload them to your school Seesaw account. So another platform that I used uh, was Flipgrid. And I'd used Flipgrid before. And Flipgrid is just so freaking nice. It's so smooth and like cool looking. Like it's just the kind of app that you want to be using as much as possible. Um, and I'm just so impressed of how much it's evolved so quickly uh, over the past couple of years. So uh, what I've used Flipgrid for is, okay, so this year uh, I mentioned the striking feeling unit that the students use it to be able to uh, record videos of themselves and they upload it. So let me back step here a little bit flipgrid is a platform that allows you to create grids so like around a topic and then students can upload videos themselves the upload experience is really really nice they hit a big green button they record themselves they can create a little uh selfie image around it okay to go to as the cover photo and then what's nice is the the community aspect of it where students can see each other's uploads they can leave comments they can leave video responses it's just a really really powerful um uh platform to try and get every student engaged and get them connecting with each other and trying to uh, help them learn together as much as possible. So I use this in my striking fielding games unit where the students would upload videos of themselves performing the striking skill, uh, which is one of the skills that we looked at in that unit. And then what was nice is that students could then go in, they could see each other striking, they could leave comments, be like, hey, you should consider this, you should try this on next time you're at bat, and things like that. In the spring, though, I got a little bit more creative with it uh, in our Smart Goals unit, which is one of the units that we started off the whole um, distance learning adventure in. And what I had students do is I invited them to create a quick workout that was aligned to the component fitness that they were seeking to improve via their SMART goal action plan. And the workout had to be under five minutes, um, but it had to be, uh, they had to explain how it was tailored to to whatever um, health-related component fitness they were targeting. So what we did is we created a virtual gym. So students got to record themselves. They had the option. They, they weren't, this wasn't mandatory, but they were, they were invited to do so. They had the option of recording themselves performing their workout, uploading it to Flipgrid, 
And then when you would go into Flipgrid, you would have all these like workouts that you could choose from to try out. And then students could try out somebody else's workout. They could leave a video response of them completing part or the whole workout, depending on how long it was. Uh, as a comment, they could leave a comment just saying like, hey, I did this today. Thanks so much. I wanted to create like a, a virtual workout library for the students that they can go in and kind of pick from and choose from um, while they were in lockdown. So try and stay active while they're at home. Um, it was really fun. It was really cool seeing how students were going in there and selecting workouts. Definitely did not have the number of students I thought I would have in terms of contributing their own workouts, but also had more students than I would have expected performing other people's workouts, which was super cool. We also used it in our target games unit, which was uh, what we followed up our smart goals unit with. Uh, where students, they had to design a, a mini puck course at home um, and they had to they had to explain the decision-making behind their shot selection for a specific uh, hole that they had designed and then they had to record that and upload it to Flipgrid and kind of talk through it. And then p- other people could try to recreate that same shot at home. So just a couple different ways that I, I got into Flipgrid uh, through all this distance learning. So that's it for the apps I use for my teaching. And there's definitely some honorable mentions here that I can throw in here. Uh, and I'll talk more about them as I talk about these tools. Uh, but speaking of which, let's get into the actual tools. So this is the hardware I use when I'm teaching. And first on the list, I'm putting these two together, are my iPad and my iPhone. Um, so I use these all the time when I'm teaching. I keep both on do not disturb when I'm teaching so that I'm not getting, allowing myself to get distracted and get pulled away from my students in any kind of way. Um, but my iPhone is always close by and the main way it gets used in my teaching is first of all, it controls all the music in our gym. We have speakers in the gym that are connected to an airport express. Um, so that allows me to airplay to the speakers from my phone. So I don't have to plug it in anywhere. I can walk around with it, never have an issue with that. And then I can also control it from my Apple Watch if ever I do leave it on the bench or something like that. Um, and the other thing too is I use it for is I have an iPhone XS, which has a pretty solid camera in it. I know it doesn't compare it to the most recent iPhones, but still, I'm happy with it. Um, and I use that to capture videos of uh, student skill performances because the camera in my phone is way better than the one in my iPad. Um, and in the video, just so you know, I always record at uh, 1080p and 60 frames per second, which allows me to slow down the video later on, and it's way less choppy and blurry, uh, which is useful for both demonstrative uh, purposes, so if I have to show, showcase that to students, or if I'm assessing them and I'm trying to look for something specific. Um, so as for my iPad, like I use my iPad for everything. I When the iPad first came out, I got a first-generation iPad, um, and I was, I, right off the bat, like I was just using it for everything I could in my teaching. I was just hacking my way through the different apps because it wasn't the apps obviously that we have today then. Um, but I just knew it was something that I could get a lot of power out of. And, and honestly, compared to back then, like today, it's ridiculous what you can achieve with an iPad when you're teaching. Uh, a few things off the top of my head. I have my student grade books uh, in numbers. Uh, which is a part of the artwork suite, and it's like their spreadsheet version. But I have a whole post on how I make my grade books, but it's great having them right there. So when I see something, when I notice something, I was like, oh, okay, this happened today. I can add to the student's grade book right away, so I'm trying to stay on top of my assessment. I use Coach's Eye all of the time, uh, which is a video analysis app. It allows you to record a video and then break it down and do all kinds of crazy annotations on the fly. Usually, we'll, I'll ask the student for permission to record them. Then I'll record them performing the skill, and then we'll airplay it up onto the TV in my gym um, and break it down so students can see specific things. 
BAM Video Delay, which is a video delay app. Um, I use that all the time as well for a variety of different things, especially on stations so students can see how they're performing. It's really great. You just set it up and then it just it doesn't record video. It just delays video so the student performs in front of it. And think of it as like a slow motion mirror. They perform and then they can stop. They can go look at the iPad and they can see their own performance and then just keeps going like that. Um, pro tips with BAM Video Delay, I always have it set up on a tripod. And I got a little clip-on wide-angle lens. And that clip-on wide-angle lens, when we came back to in-person teaching in the fall, um, that was clutch because we had these Zoom station TV things set up in every classroom. Uh, but some of our classrooms are pretty small at school. So they, the camera from the iPad wasn't wide enough for you, students at home to be able to see the whole class. Um, and I was showing teachers about the clip-on lens, which is awesome. It just adds such a bigger feel of view uh, to your camera and gets students to be able to see a lot more. So that's really key. And if, what's nice in Fizet is that it means that I can have the iPad pretty close to the kids and they can still see the whole image in it. They're not like crop, they're not cropping out their feet or their heads or anything like that. Uh, other apps on my iPad, Plickers, which I use for scanning my assessment magnets. Although I'm not going to lie, I don't do that that often. I feel like I used to do it and I was doing it because I feel like I had to do it. But oftentimes with the Plickers magnets, like I was using the magnets before I was using them as Plickers uh, magnets. Um, the magnets really are just like a, a self-reflection tool. So having the students be able to go in and try and like think about where they are and then have something physical that they can move is very empowering, very powerful in terms of like how it, it helps them see the progress that they're having here in class. That said, though, there are times where I still do scan it into Plickers just so that I have it um, so let's say if I need set up for the next class or if it was towards the end of the unit and I want to use their self-assessment as, as a bigger part of the assessment. Um, YouTube, I share videos all the time on YouTube that I have want to show the students. Uh, we have dance parties uh, with uh, Just Dance and other dance videos on YouTube. Or if we're doing like a workout in class too, sometimes we'll grab one from YouTube and put it up. And then obviously Seesaw. Um, which I've already talked about, uh, but I'll use to like upload uh, pieces right to the students' portfolios. So my iPad, iPhone are clutch. One of the problems I always experience with them though is that I always put them down somewhere and then can't remember where I put them down. And there's been too many times when I left my iPad outside on the field or my Apple Pencil outside on the field um, and I'll, I'll get home and be like, oh shoot, where is this? And then I use like Find My to try and figure out where it is and I saw that right there on the field uh, where I had it for fourth period and I had to walk or drive myself back to school to go get it before it rained. Um, so I've got a confession to make. I have become a hip pack enthusiast. Now, when I say hip pack, I really mean fanny pack, but I know a lot of people think that word is very funny. Um, and I know that I made a lot of fun about uh, Sarah Gitchia Hartman and Naomi Hartle way back in the day when they were uh, boasting about their fantastic looking uh, uh, fanny packs that they were using. I forget. It was like Topo Design or something. I can't remember what brand they were using, but they're very, very nice, but it was too expensive to ship to Canada. Um, but shout out to them for getting me, for planting that seed of the power of a fanny pack uh, when teaching. Uh, so yeah, so I just would always put things down or I'd put something far on the field and I have to run across the field to go get my iPhone and run back. Uh, and I I don't know why they even bother making shorts without pockets for teachers. Every short should have pockets. But anyways, I decided to go all in and get myself a pack. I got the Savu Hip Pack by uh, Osprey. Uh, which is sweet, you know, like it looks, it looks cool enough. <laughs> it doesn't really look like a fanny pack. It's like not, doesn't have like the neon colors and everything. It looks solid. It looks like I'm going adventuring with it or something. Um, but more importantly, it's super functional. Uh, it's not big enough to hold my iPad. I looked into getting the the bigger model. 
Um, but then when I kind of saw them in person, I was like, yo, this feels like I'm wearing like a full size backpack, like on my lower back. It just kind of looked weird. So I went with the smaller one, which is great because I always have my iPhone in there, my Apple pencil in there, first aid, um, not necessarily a water bottle because I have a huge like hydro flask and it doesn't necessarily fit in there. Uh, but I have my walkie talkie when I'm on recess duty. I have my hand sanitizers in there. What's a more 2020 scene than seeing a phys ed teacher walk around with like double hand sanitizers in their hip pack. Um, and I, it doubles up. I use it when I go birding on the weekends, uh, which I got really into this year. And that's a whole other story. Uh, but it's perfect. It holds my field guide. It has my little coffee in there. I got my binoculars around the neck. I'm out there. Northern Flickers, Blue Jays, what's up? I'm looking for you. Um, so yeah, I love my hip pack. I really, really recommend if you don't teach with one, uh, just to have one on. It's just, it's just really handy, and and it's never gotten in the way. I love it. Make fun of me all you want. I don't care. <laughs> Next up on the list are my AirPods. So I have a pair of first generation AirPods. Uh, when I got them, I remember I'd be terrified that I was going to lose them instantly. And I never lost them. I got to say, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, except for the one time that I got sprayed by that car walking to school. But we're not going to talk about that because I promised myself I would never talk about that again. But one of my AirPods fell out and I was very mad. Uh, so <laughs> when I was teaching uh, in the spring in lockdown, I had to teach from home because everything was locked, uh, locked down, like I said. And I was teaching in my kitchen. And the reason was that the kitchen was like the only place that we could kind of like guaranteed that we'd stay clean because our toddler is basically a tornado that runs around and destroys our apartment every day. Um, so I would teach in my kitchen, but I would be up and moving. I had my camera set up with the wide angle lens on it. Uh, but I was really worried about having to be really loud, uh, especially because sometimes I was teaching when Ollie was napping. And I'll talk about that later on. Uh, but I did not want to have to wake him up. The AirPods are great. I'd connect my AirPods to my MacBook. I could hear the kids. They could hear me. I could move around as much. I didn't have any cables getting in the way. Uh, fast charging was great because I, they charge pretty quickly. Um, in between lessons, I'd get enough charge for another lesson in it. And I would oftentimes, I would do the um, the whole alternating buds so that they would last longer. I have first generation iPod, uh, AirPods and I know that the battery life on them isn't what it is on other versions of them. Um, but I... I Never had any big issues with that. And as I mentioned before, too, I just love taking them, popping them in and going for a walk uh, during faculty meetings and stuff like that, just so that I don't have to be inside staring at a screen the whole time. So definitely enjoy my AirPods. Uh, and I know that they'll just continue to get better. Now, this next one is actually something that like if you're an elementary school teacher who assesses a lot of like locomotor skills and everything, this is amazing. So I, like I said, I take a ton of video of my students because we maintain these digital portfolios. And, um, you know, like I, like I said, I shoot at 1080p, 60 frames per second. I don't shoot at 4K just because it would chew up too much space and it's just too much work to work with 4K video. Um, anyways, uh, but what happens is oftentimes when I'm trying to record, the video comes out really shaky. It feels like I'm watching like, like the Blair Witch Project version of like a kid performing skipping. Um, and I tried using the whole tripod wide angle lens for it, but the reality is that the shots don't lead to anything that's like either close enough to the student or dynamic enough to really see what's going on. And especially in situations like I'm thinking of like when my grade threes are working on their foot skills and they're dribbling a ball off their feet through general space and I'm trying to follow one student as they're doing so, uh, it's just kind of, it, it's not great if you just have like a tripod set up. So what I decided to do is to buy myself a, ha a handheld gimbal for my phone. Uh, so gimbals are like, think of it as like, it almost looks like a selfie stick. and But the phone is on this this um, accelerometer driven uh, 
motor driven kind of balance thing. Uh, that's a horrible way to explain gimbals, but I, I, I can't think of a better way of saying it right now. Uh, but basically what it does is that as you move with the phone, you can move, you can shake, you can turn all that. And the accelerometer motors know how to keep the phone perfectly steady. So it leads to these really steady, good looking shots. Um, I purchased the Zion Smooth Q, uh, Q2 is what it's called. I got it back in 2017. And I was looking at the DGA at the time, but the Zion was uh, uh, cheaper and it had good reviews. I have zero regrets. Uh, it's still super powerful to to this day. I use it all the time. I've, I even use it like when I go for hikes with my family or stuff like that. I want to shoot some video um, or, you know, just chasing my son around <laughs> and trying to get videos of him. Uh, it's really, really great. And it's such a powerful tool. And it just leads to like really great looking video that you can then use for assessment so that you're not trying to like look at this super bouncy shaky video um next up my webcam so i have a logitech uh c920 webcam uh that i actually bought like a while back uh and i didn't buy it with teaching in mind i just bought it because when i work from home my macbook is plugged into an external monitor which doesn't have a webcam on it and i need something for when i'm doing like skype calls or or skype calls back then with skype calls Zoom calls or FaceTime calls um, back then. I'm not trying to diss Skype. I'm just saying it's funny how like they were the oldest and fell off the throne. Anywho, um, so I got myself the Logitech webcam, uh, the C920. And the main reason was that it gives 1080p video. It's good in low lighting and has a wide angle lens. Uh, And I have used this thing so much in the past year. Um, Like I said, like, I, we live in a tiny apartment here in Montreal. Our apartment is not uh, is no mansion, not by a long shot. Um, and our kitchen's really tight. Like we're in the city here, so we got like a tight uh, tight space. Um, so being able to shoot in the kitchen and have that wide angle lens, I would have it. Oftentimes, I would mount the webcam on a tripod and hold it up high so the students could see me, and then have it plugged into my MacBook, which would be closer by me, so they can kind of see the whole movement, and everything I was doing. It was really great, and it, it let me get the most out of my small space. Um, and I really, really appreciated having it. And I still love having it because I just, like I said, I use it all the time. And kind of this kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, Another thing that I wound up purchasing when I was shooting videos uh, at home. So, like I said, a lot of my life revolved around my son's nap times because when he was awake, you know, like my wife and I were both teachers. So she'd be teaching. I'd be I'd be playing with him, trying to keep him occupied. Um, and I, when lockdown first happened, we were trying not to go outside as much as possible. Uh, anywho, um, but then the only times I, that I could record like asynchronous videos was when he was napping either in the afternoon which we usually try not like making any sound because we need that break in our day or I would record at night uh, and the, when the lighting's not great. So I need some kind of light and I saw the Elgato key light um, that had good reviews and that uh, I know like a lot of gamers are using it. And the reason I actually went with this is because I saw somebody uh, tweet about, and it was somebody, I don't know who they were, they were, it was retweeted by like a tech account I follow, uh, just saying that they had picked one up so that they could look better in their in their Zoom meeting calls just because they were dealing with like super grainy, dark video. Um, and it's really great. I really, really like the key light. So it, it's Wi-Fi powered. It connects to my phone. Uh, I can put it through a range of colors, like so warmer, cooler colors and everything. Uh, the brightness is really, really intense. It's very, very narrow. So it fits like in a, in a, in a tight space. You don't need this huge like light setup and everything for it. It's not like in a huge uh, like soft box or anything like that. It's easy to move around. 
Um, there are some issues I've had with it. So the Wi-Fi is great, but it only works on a 2.4 uh, gig, gigahertz uh, network. Um, so that's kind of irritating because, like, I remember, like, in the summer, I brought it with me because I was going to try and shoot some content at an Airbnb when we were in Nova Scotia. And then I couldn't connect it because of the Wi-Fi was, like, a 5 gig one. So, like, it was just kind of, uh, kind of irritating like that. Um, and then there's a couple other things. What was the other issue I had with it? Uh, I can't really remember now, but there was like a few couple of things I wasn't super keen on, but it does definitely have like a huge impact on like the quality of your video when you're well lit. And that's just, that's just fact. And the other thing too, is that like I sit where my desk is set up at home, like I'm not facing a window or anything like that. So it's pretty dark in there. Um, so it's nice just having the light. This sounds super vain now that I'm talking about all this. But anyways, the other thing I got with it was a green screen and the green screen was supposed to be that when I was teaching. Okay. So like I said, like we were trying to do everything as quietly as possible or, or as out of the way as possible because we're trying to make sure that like we weren't just popping our kid like in front of the tv all day long or anything like that and we weren't waking him up during his nap time so sometimes i'll go teach in my storage unit in the basement um and my storage unit is like how can i describe it it basically just looks like there's like a tornado that went through like like the the baby clothes section of like a department store or something. So it's just, just boxes and boxes and boxes of like baby clothes um, that we're just waiting to like get rid of uh, once our, our second kid arrives, which I don't think I've talked about that. Um, we're having another kid in, in March, a baby boy, number two. Um, so the, it's just dingy down there and spider webs and like all kinds of stuff. And you know, when I was teaching, I didn't want my students to like be staring like at me, like with like this, like, dark like like damp basement kind of background behind me so i got a green screen uh, the elgato green screen which is really nice it's really tight rolls up and down into this like storage thing uh the only thing is that's short and i didn't realize how short it was and i'm six two so like i can use it if i'm like sitting at a desk and i put it up behind me it's good for that uh, but for like actual like green screen uses that i would want to use it for for phys ed stuff um it wasn't great because like like i said like i'm taller than it and and it has this big base at the bottom that you'd kind of have to like edit out somehow but you'd probably lose your feet every time so don't really recommend that green screen i know like if you're looking for green screen stuff look into like kevin tiller does a ton of stuff with green screens um and i know he just got a gigantic one for his gym so <laughs> i'm sure he's gonna be coming up with cool content with that he looks like you could fit the whole millennium falcon in front of it um and yeah so those are the tools that i use the most in my teaching this past year uh, and I know that there's other ones too that I'm, that I'm forgetting right now, but uh, I'll try and add to this list in the blog post as we go on. But I do want to move on here and talk about the next category, which are the apps that I use for creating. And this is like one of the questions I get the most uh, is what apps do I use for creating? First of all, I just want to say that like, I feel like a lot of people think that I have like a magic app that does it all. I do not have a magic app that does it all. The work that you see shipped on the site is work that took like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours to do. And it was really frustrating to do. Um, and it was also like, I don't know, I, f- I find one of the hardest things, one of the hardest things to do in life is to have a vision in your head of something that you want to create and then to pull that vision like painstakingly out of your mind and turn it into something real. Um, and that's, it's that whole creative process is incredibly challenging and it's frustrating and I lose my mind. Oftentimes, like it takes so long that by the time that it's ready, like I'm sick of it. I don't even like the way it looks anymore. And there's so much stuff that just sits on my computer that I don't share because I'm like, I don't feel like sharing this anymore. Um, and, and 
it's hard. I don't know how else to say it. And that's part of why it leads to so much grief when I see somebody just kind of rip something or take it. So I'm going to talk about the apps that I use here. And I'm sharing them in a specific order in terms of like kind of outlaying how I use them in like the right order that they would be used like in that whole creative process. Okay, the first app I want to talk about is Things. So Things is the to-do list slash project management app that I've been using for years. I used to have like a love-hate relationship with Things because I loved it and then they weren't updating it very often and I was like, reminders is game better than this. But then they released Things 3 and Things 3 is just beautiful. It's perfect. It's exactly what I want in my um, project management, my personal project management uh, platform. Um, so what I do with things is that whenever there's an idea that pops in my head, I put it into things. I put it into my inbox in things and it lives there. It lives there until Sunday. And on Sunday, what I do is I go through my inbox and I go through all the items I've accumulated and pro tip when I put like an idea, let's say like get an idea for a resource or an idea for a game. I always leave like a little note with it because I used to just put like game titles and then I'd be going through my inbox on Sunday and be like, what the heck is this? Like, I don't even remember writing this down. Um, so I add a couple of details and then on Sunday, I go through everything. And it's either that an item gets sorted as an action item in things or it gets unpacked into a project in things or it gets scheduled as an event in my calendar app, which is Fantastical, or it gets sent out as an email uh, in, my cal- in my email client, which is Spark, which handles all my Gmail accounts. Um, and I love things. Like, it's just, it's so nice knowing that you have a system that allows you to take things out of your head and into an app that you can trust and you can go back to. Uh, there are times where I'll combine what I'm doing things with my mind mapping app of choice, which is MindNode. And the two apps actually work well together. Um, MindNode just makes it easy to kind of see the whole picture of something and like unpack things and kind of see like, let's say like what my 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 curriculum roadmap is going to look like for the next couple of months or what my content roadmap is going to look like uh, over the next year. Uh, it's just a nice way of kind of elaborating and making it more visual whereas things you're kind of looking at things like from in the trenches my know lets you look at things from way farther out um a similar app to that is workflowy workflowy is an outlining app that i've been using and it's so great because it works exactly the way that my brain wants it to work where basically like it makes it super quick for you to jot down ideas or to create some like an outline i use it mostly for outlining uh and then what you can do is that you create all this outline in like bullet points and then you can click on a bullet point and it just zooms in. So you're just looking at that one thing. And this allows you to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into an idea. And I use this a lot when I'm doing research and I'm trying to collect, um, let's say like I'm trying to collect quotes or evidence or stuff like that. Uh, or when I'm creating like uh, an outline for a blog post or, or a presentation or a course or a video or whatever it may be. Just really unpacking the ideas to make sure it's like, okay, have I fully explored this? Yes. I'm ready to move on to the next point. And then Workflow it makes it really easy to move points around as, uh, as well. So if I need to reorganize the order in which I want to share things or say things, it's great. Um, but like I said, I use it mostly for outlining my podcast, my blog posts and things like that. And then once the outline's done, I'm ready to either write the script or, or write out the, the blog post or whatever it may be. And for writing, what I use is Ulysses. Now, Ulysses is an awesome writing app. And what I love about Ulysses the most is the fact that like all you see on your screen is your text. You just, you write, you everything you, you it uses markup for, for formatting. Um, so you just sit down and you just start writing. And I'll mention, talk to you about my morning routine later on. Oftentimes my morning routine starts with like, like I get up out of bed super early. I turn the kettle on. I make myself my coffee and my Chemex. I sit down, I open up my MacBook and Ulysses is already there 
with like the first line of what I want to write that day and then I just get writing. Um, and that's usually how my, my day will start. Uh, and I try and write out as much as possible just because I find that writing really helps you like go deeper into your own thinking and gets you to check some things that you might be assuming that aren't necessarily super true. Um, and, it, and it's just really great. And what's nice with Ulysses too is that like when you're creating, everything gets created into like small sheets and it just kind of feels like note-taking cards. And it used to be a really big like advocate of like note-taking cards or uh, that I would just use. I would like each card would have like one piece or one quote on it and then I had like an organizing system for them all. Uh, I did a lot of that in college. Uh, and I use Ulysses the same way because you can create groups, you can create uh, unlimited subgroups, um, and you can organize all these little sheets, these little cards all over the place. And then when you're ready and you want to compile them, you want to export them all as one, you can do that too, which is really sweet. Uh, the next app, and this is the app, people ask me all the time, how do I animate stuff? I do it all in Keynote. I told you before, I was too broke to get anything uh, from Adobe uh, or from Microsoft, so I went with iWork and when I started working with it, it was very, very limited. And when you're working with something that has a lot of constraints, you have to get creative. And that act of getting creative forces you to figure out ways that you can do things that you would have never thought of doing before because it's not necessarily what the app was designed to do. Um, so in Keynote, once I have like my outlines done in Workflowy or my two, my projects outlined in things, my outlines done in Workflowy, my script is typed up, then I start animating in Keynote. And that's where I start putting, making sure all the graphics work into each other, making them look and act the way that I want them to look and act. Uh, and it's, it's, I love the way it looks. I love the way it works. Uh, it's just a really frustrating process. Um, and most of the, I'm the cause of that, if I'm being totally honest, uh, because the fact that I'm, I have a hard time ignoring small details uh, for certain things, not for all things. Uh, so I'll spend like a ton of time working on like a transition that's like less than a second long that probably nobody will ever notice, but I feel good knowing that like I took the time to do it. I always remember like in the Steve Jobs, like, um, biography, uh, he talked about how his dad was a carpenter and his dad like always talked about the back of the cabinet. And it's like when you're creating something like the back of the cabinet is just as important as the front of the cabinet, uh, that you should know that like when you're, when you've done something, you're ready to ship it that you poured your heart and your soul into all aspects of it. And that's kind of like a mentality I try and bring to the work that I do. Uh, so Keynote's where I do most the animating and like a lot of the graphics get made quickly in Keynote too when I need it, but I have started using Pixelmator more for that. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so once I've created the animations in Keynote, I export them as movie files and then I get ready for the final edit. And I do all my editing, my video editing, sorry, in Final Cut Pro 10. Um, so I've been using it for a couple of years. I made the jump from iMovie, which was really great because like a reason a lot of people don't like Final Cut is because they say like, it feels too much like a glorified iMovie. But me as like a long-term iMovie user, I was like, this is amazing. This is like, super familiar. And like, I already know how to do a lot of this stuff and I can just get going. Whereas when I did try and sit down and learn Adobe Premiere, I was just like completely lost because I was so removed from the Adobe ecosystem that I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, so Final Cut's really great. It has an amazingly vibrant community around it in terms of like developers who create all kinds of plugins and templates for it. So you can save a ton of time like getting a plugin. Um, they're not cheap. I'll, t I'll say that, that. I've definitely like, of the apps I have, I've probably invested most heavily into uh, Final Cut. Uh, in an attempt to try and make things look good, but also to try and save time. Um, and I value my time. So like I, I'm fine making that kind of investment. Uh, 
but Final Cut is really nice. I really love it, and there's still so much I need to learn about it. Uh, I will occasionally do screencast recordings, and I used to just do that in QuickTime. You can just record your screen screen in QuickTime. Um, but I actually upgraded uh, and got ScreenFlow, which is like a screencasting like recording app. Um, and ScreenFlow lets you not only record your screencasts, but lets you edit them in the same kind of a similar kind of timeline of what you would see in Final Cut, uh, but allows you to add like. Okay, say more like screencast specific kind of animations to it. Uh, but same thing as like with Kino's that I'll I'll put it together in ScreenFlow, then I'll export as a as a movie file, and then I'll 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 import that into Final Cut and finish the edits there. So everything finishes in Final Cut. And uh, the next one that I use is Pixelmator Pro. So Pixelmator is what I use now for graphics and images. Um, when I'm prepping images for the website for like blog posts and stuff like that. When I'm putting together graphics that are a little bit more intense that I can't just sneak by getting through them uh, in Keynote, I do all that in Pixelmator. I love the way Pixelmator works. I love the way it looks. Uh, when you start getting uh, a handle of it, like it's really, really, really powerful. Um, and it's just it's just a, a breeze to use on, on Mac. Uh, and again, I, th- I think it's because a lot of these apps I'm coming from places where like I wasn't starting from like a pro-level app experience. So I was starting with like little cheapy apps like again the app store and everything uh and then that the pixelmator kind of falls into the category of like me going from that to this and not feeling like super overwhelmed by it which is really nice so pixelmator is how i'm making a lot of the graphics these days and how uh, definitely how i prepare images uh, for the web so a couple honorable mentions in this creative like apps category um on my ipad i have good notes which is what i use to take notes and I will mention here soon that I, I have a first-generation iPad Pencil. Uh, my iPad, I didn't mention earlier, I got the sixth-generation iPad. I can't remember how far removed that is right now, but it was like the first non-pro iPad that supported Apple Pencil. And Apple Pencil, I never thought I would love a stylus as much, but uh, I definitely use my stylus a ton on my iPad, and especially in good notes. Uh, yes, taking handwritten notes, for sure, but the main thing I use good notes for is for mocking up either game diagrams or resource templates. Um, just because I can do that, like in Kino or Pixelmator, uh, but there's just nothing that compares to just doing it by hand uh, with a pencil, even if it's a digital one. Um, so definitely do that. I was recording this podcast in Logic Pro 10. Uh, and prior to that, I, w- I did use Adobe Edition for a while because I had it on my school computer, um, but wasn't it? It was just so overwhelming. There's so much you can do in Audition. Uh, and then Logic Pro 10 was kind of the same thing. And I'm going to mention soon that I got this tool here, this Roadcaster Pro, uh, which does like a lot of the mixing, a lot of the recording and, and audio editing uh, right on the device. So I don't need like a crazy like a um, audio interface on my computer. Uh, so I just switched back to GarageBand. And really the way I use it is that once I... Once I'm done recording my podcast here on the Roadcaster and I press stop, I just import into my computer. I check to see if there was any notes I had in terms of things I did need to cut out. So like already before I moved my chair and it sounded like a fart. So I was like, I can't leave that in the podcast. <laughs> so there, there might have been a, a a weird edit earlier in this show. Uh, so I'll go back into GarageBand later and just cut that out just because it's simple to do it in GarageBand. Uh, I use Dropbox for everything. I still prefer it in terms of like the cloud storage experience over Google Drive. I think Dropbox, the simplicity of Dropbox, um, originally just it being a folder that syncs to the web on your computer was perfect. Uh, over the years, they've tried to add so many bells and whistles to it. Some are cool. 
uh, but most are just annoying. Um, and I just, I, I have it set up so that like when I click on my Dropbox icon, it just launches Finder and I'm in my Dropbox folder and I go from there. And I use Gift Brewery 3, uh, which is how I edit GIFs when I need to, um, which isn't that often. Uh, by the way, you can make GIFs in Keynote. If you have like an animation, you can make a GIF out of it. Uh, but it's kind of tricky. You got to just figure out how to focus just on those things and get to frame rate. Gift Brewery is really nice though because it does. It, one thing that's really good about Gift Brewery is it's really good for creating gifts that you're going to share on the web because it, it it makes them as like um compact as possible, so they're not like huge massive GIF files. And uh, PDF Expert, I actually really love PDF Expert. I think it totally gets like downplayed in terms of like what a great app it is. Uh, that's how I, I edit and annotate PDFs. I also use PDF expert all the time for reading like academic papers and journal articles and, and stuff like that. It's really, really powerful in terms of just like being able to gather, um, the gist of like articles and annotate them. And obviously for like interacting with things, like if there's like a form I need to sign or stuff like that, I do all that in PDF expert. Uh, okay. My tools for creating. So, uh, I have a MacBook Pro 2018, uh, 2.3 quad-core Intel Core i5, 16 gigabytes RAM, 512 uh, gigabytes storage, if any of that matters to you. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with this Mac. First of all, when I got it, I was like, this is the best. This is amazing. It's like, why did everybody hate the touch bar? The touch bar is cool. touch bar is still cool. It's not like super great on it. Um, But this freaking thing died on me over the summer. Uh, first of all, my keyboard started giving out and I knew that it was like under warranty for that, but you know, freaking irritating it is when your E key only works like half the time that you're trying to use it. Um, I was like losing my mind with that. And, uh, this summer we're in Nova Scotia, like in the middle of nowhere. And I wake up one morning and, and my computer's always in clamshell mode. Like I very rarely open my MacBook open cause I'm always usually plugged into a, uh, monitor and my uh, computer just went turn on, and it turns out my logic board was fried. So I had to drive my butt down to Halifax in the middle of a pandemic, go to the Apple store, thank God it was still open there because their cases were so low, uh, have my computer in, and then I had to wait two weeks to get it back, uh, which is like another, well, it's two hours there, two hours back, so just a bunch of driving. Um, but thankfully, I was still on AppleCare for a month, so I was able to get all replaced for free because uh, it would have been horrible. I do really want to get one of the new Empowered Macs. I'm looking at the I'm uh, the Mac Mini. Sorry, uh, I've been looking at that for a while because uh, I'd love to have like a secondary Mac. So if ever my Mac dies again, like I'm not like uh, without no computer for uh, two uh, two weeks to whoever however time it's gonna take. Uh, but I'm gonna hold off a little bit because I don't know. I just got this thing replaced, and I feel like it's gonna last me a little bit longer. Um, Keeping on with hardware, Apple Pencil. Man, I love my Apple Pencil. Uh, I used to use the Paper by 53 Pencil Stylus, and I actually really liked that. That was a ton of fun. And then you use a stylus like the Apple Pencil, and it's like whole. Di- it's like a whole other category of tool. Um, you can like my handwriting looks like my handwriting in Good Notes when I'm writing with my Apple Pencil, uh, and I use it when I'm reading PDFs for like quick highlighting, marking down uh, images. Uh, all kinds of stuff. I bought this like stupid, like overpriced, like stylus sling thing. It looks like a, it looks like a headband that goes on my, my iPad and holds my pencil like in a little pouch. Uh, but I did that because I kept dropping my Apple pencil when I was teaching and then losing it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't just have my hip pack on all the time, so I can't just be storing it in there. So the stylus thing was pretty sweet and it holds like the little charging bit that goes with your Apple pencil. So uh, that's nice. I don't have like an iPad Pro. I don't have an Apple Pencil 2 or a second generation one. 
uh, that like connects directly to the iPad and charges that way. I've got to do it the old-fashioned way and plug it into the old good uh, lightning cable. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, next up, so I got myself a good camera uh, this summer. Uh, I've been hesitating on picking myself up a camera for a while. And then when I saw the way the world was going, I was like, hmm, probably going to be doing a lot more video stuff in the future. I should probably get a good camera. Uh, I decided to get a mirrorless camera. So I've been looking at these for a while. The thing is, I am not a photographer, not by a long shot. I'm very proud of the little pictures of birds I take that are in my bird feeders outside my window, but that's like the full extent of what I'm capable of doing with a camera. And even those are pretty crappy if you compare them to actual photographer's work. Uh, so I was looking into a camera and really what I want is I want something that's full frame. I want something that's going to be able to shoot um, a good quality video uh, at 24 frames per second. And in and I liked Canon cameras. I had had a Canon camera before. I had an SL1. Um, and then when I saw the EOS uh, RP had this firmware update that allowed it to shoot at 24 frames per second, I decided to go with that. Uh, I didn't get the EOS R um, because it was like an extra two grand. And I was like, I don't have two grand to spend on this thing. Uh, so I went with the, the RP and so I'd save some of the money and eventually get like some nicer lenses for it. It did come with the 24 to 105 RF lens. Uh, the RLF lenses are cool. They're heavy, I find. Um, and, uh, I don't know. They have the control ring that I don't use, but like I said, I'm also not a photographer. Uh, and I did get, uh, the 35 millimeter, uh, RF macro lens, which is really nice, uh, especially for video. Um, and just like a bunch of different photo stuff that I've done with it with my son, uh, like taking nice family photos because we can't have photographers coming into our house right now. Uh, so that was really nice. I, I do not regret my camera whatsoever. Like, especially having a kid now and another one on the way, like, and the freaking um, photos widget on iOS 14 is just the best. Like, every day I just look at my little widget and it's got, like, a trillion different pictures of my kid. And I'm like, it's sort of like, you put the kid down at night and you're like, oh, my God, thank God he's finally asleep. Like, I'm so tired. And then the first thing you do is you just start looking at photos of him for, like, an hour. Um, and I didn't think I was going to be that kind of person. But I also never thought I'd wear a fanny pack or be into birding. Uh, so uh, the camera is, is really great. And... I do use it as a webcam at times uh, for meetings or if I'm hosting a workshop virtually, uh, which is a new thing that we have to do in this uh, reality. Um, but it's pretty cool. Uh, and I had picked up the Elgato Camlink 4K to connect it to my Mac. So that was allowing me to like use, uh, like, it would just let the, the computer recognize the camera as like a webcam. But now there is a Canon webcam utility that apparently you can use. But I just use the, the, the Camlink works and I don't want to mess with something that works. So I'll just keep using that for now. I bought the thing anyways. I can't return it. Um, and speaking of video, here's another confession. Uh, I've been using a teleprompter for the last couple of months uh, for videos. And here's why. Uh, and it all started with me when I before when I mentioned I rented that Airbnb to try and shoot a course over the summer. Um and then, like, I was hesitating on my lines and I was wasting all this time. And then as I'm recording, the city of Halifax came right outside the window of the Airbnb I rented and they started chopping down a tree. And it was just, like, it was just so stressful. And I was, like, I, I couldn't get it done for the life of me. There was, like, a trillion takes. And I was really pissed. I'm not going to lie, like, because I felt like I was wasting all this money. We're going to go down to Halifax anyways. Okay, I'm not going to lie. Like, we're going out and see friends too. Um, but I decided, I was like, you know what? Like, I can't afford to be wasting time like this. Uh, and especially not going into the school year. So I picked up the Glide Gear TMP100 is what it's called, uh, which is a teleprompter that allows you to use your iPad or your mobile device as like the feeder for it. So you need like an extra teleprompter like app to go along with it to like share a uh, text. Um, 
but really i rarely rarely use like unless i'm really struggling with something that i need to say on video uh i rarely rarely use that i usually just have my ipad set up with like a simple keynote of like images from what i'm trying to say as like prompts so that i can keep talking in a way that flows uh, and get me through the shots that i need for my edit now that said i found out it another use for this uh, teleprompter that I never would have thought of before, but it's actually great for teaching virtually on Zoom. Um, so the way it's set up is the, obviously the way a teleprompter works. You have the teleprompter, you have the camera behind the the glass of the teleprompter, and then you have your iPad or your iPhone underneath that's kind of like like sharing the screen like through that glass so you don't see it in the camera. So you're looking at the glass, but your eyes are going right through the glass looking at the camera behind it. Uh, and this is really great if you set up Zoom on your iPad and then you have the iPad on the teleprompter. So on the teleprompter screen, what you're seeing are your Zoom participants and you're making direct eye contact with them as you're speaking. And I've done this for a couple of the virtual workshops that I've hosted and it's been great. I've done it for a couple of like more important meetings that I've done and for a couple of lessons as well. And we did it for um, our open, uh, open house night at, at school as well. And it's just nice. It's nice having somebody like, first of all, it's a better quality image. Uh, you're making direct eye contact to people. It, it feels more real. It feels like more natural in some ways. Um, and and I've really enjoyed using it that way. So definitely like it. Like I'm not saying like everybody should get themselves a teleprompter, but if your school has budget for it and you want a teleprompter at school, like there's just so much stuff being done in video right now. And video is so incredibly frustrating to work with that you might as well have the tools that are going to smooth out that experience if possible. So if your school has like a media budget or something like that, I definitely look into this, especially like, I don't know if you're making like all kinds of like weekly updates or if principals are, are doing video updates and stuff like that. It's really, really great. Um, okay. The next one is I'm actually recording on this right now. It's my roadcaster pro. So the roadcaster is like, I think they call it like a podcasting studio. It's basically this giant like recorder that like can hold up to like four, um, mics by XLR. Not that that matters anymore. Cause I can never be around anybody else. Um, but it also allows me to like plug in phones for phone interviews and you and connect things to USB. I can play music. So like, I don't know if I press this, I don't know what sounds going to do. Oh, there you go. One millions and millions of fans. Just like huge buttons. Like I feel like Daft Punk when I'm using this thing. Um, but the thing is, I've had the Phys Ed Show podcast for a couple of years now, and I've I've been horrible at actually putting out podcasts. Listen, I swear, I sit down and I outline these things and I script them and I start recording them. And it's the same thing as before, like halfway through, like I either get sick of it or I start feeling like an imposter and what I'm saying for whatever reason. And if you think like like it's easy putting stuff out onto the internet these days, like it's, it's hard and I struggle with it and especially with the, the podcasting stuff. Um, so the fact that like I had to wait until like nighttime to record because uh, like, like I said, I don't have a dedicated workspace in my, in my house that's like soundproof or like closed off from everybody. It's like in like the big open space connected to the living room and the dining room. Um, between that and the fact that like like it was this huge setup and then I was recording into Logic and then with Logic, like you can get so nitty gritty into how things sound. I just want something really that like I could just press a huge record button, record what I have to say, press the record button when I'm done and that's it. And that's exactly what this roadcaster does plus like a thousand other different things that are super helpful. Uh, so I'm really happy with the roadcaster. I got this Rode pod mic, which is what I'm speaking in right now. Uh, and I'm really, really loving it. Like it's so simple. I plug it in, press record, get recording, 
press record when I'm done. And then it's all pre- when I by the time I transfer it to my computer, it's prepped for Anchor already, so I can upload it to Anchor, so that I can get out to all of you. Um, or if I need to do any quick little edits at the end, I'll do those uh, in GarageBand. Like I said, going to replace the fart sound that you heard earlier, which was I swear to God, it was a chair. Like I'm moving here, you can hear it. No, now you're not going to hear it. Great. Um, so yeah, the Roadcaster and the Pod Mic have been great, um, and I'm really enjoying it. And I and I'm really planning on doing a lot with audio in 2021. I think audio is like is going to be catching up to video really, really fast. I think we've already seen that, like in how popular a podcast has been coming. But now with like audio rooms, with like apps like Clubhouse and Twitter Spaces coming out, like stuff like that, like I think audio is going to be the way to go. Uh, and I want to make sure that I had everything I need so that I could I could uh, have fun with it and explore that and, and be able to use that as a way to share more ideas and resources and just try to be as helpful as possible. Okay, um, if there was like... A, Something that I would recommend, like highly recommend, 10 on 10, like worth the money. Don't even think about it. Like just get it. Uh, it's my Sony WH-1000XM3. Um, so Sony, the, their Mach 3 noise-canceling headphones. Uh, yo. All right. Have I mentioned before that I live in a tiny apartment? Like it can be really hard to like get into like a good flow of work when they're like just constant distractions around you. Um, you know, if I'm trying to work like during the day on a weekend and like my son's like running around behind me, like I get distracted. All I want to do is play with him. So like I oftentimes get yanked out of whatever it is I'm doing and, and want to go and want to go there. Um, in the summertime, you know, like we spent our, our summers in Nova Scotia, but like I'm so grateful that we have like my, my wife's uh, parents beach cottage that we go to, but the beach cottage is like a tiny cottage. Like it's like an old fashioned like, beach cottage, like what a cottage is supposed to be. It's not people call their places cottages and they're like freaking mansions. Uh, no, this is a cottage. Um, and I don't have a workspace in the cottage. So I, I work in the living room and you know, like when you're in the living room and the, everybody's talking all around, you it can be really distracting when you try and get work. And I do try and get work done in the summer. So I need something that can kind of let me zone out and try and like be focused and not have to hear every neighbor in a 200 kilometer radius mowing their lawn in Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia is beautiful. There's always someone mowing their lawn. Um, I decided to get, I decided to invest into a pair of like noise canceling headphones. Uh, my favorite YouTuber, MKBHD, recommended the, or he declared that the Sony uh, Mach 3s were like the best choice to go with. So I decided to like go with it and Honestly, these things are insane. The noise canceling is so powerful in these that the, the first couple of times I put them on, it was almost like nauseating. Like it felt weird having them on my head. When I would meditate with them, it was like I could just hear my heartbeat like in my head. Like it was crazy. Um, but they're perfect. It allows me to zone out. I paired them up with an app that I'll talk about later, which is Endel. And I just got these soundscapes going that I can just focus on and allows me to get into a deep flow state so I can just kind of work, get the work done that I want to get done, ship what I want to ship, and then just pop back out and be right back present to where I, uh, with the people that I'm with. Um, so yeah, and I I started bringing them to work with me too because our office is right beside the gym. So you know if Alex was out there teaching and it was being loud and she's blasting like her jock jams and everything and her lessons and whatnot, uh, I could pop on my headphones in the office and not be distracted and get through my email or plan my next lessons or stuff like that. Uh, so definitely, definitely, definitely recommend these. And that's kind of like a wrap up of like the top tools that I use for creating. Um, and there are others. And like I said, I might continue adding to this. But we're like what we're like seventy five minutes into this. Let's rock and roll and get into our apps for well being. Um, all right. So I'm going to be releasing my next podcast. Probably I'm going to be talking a little bit about stuff that I haven't been wanting to talk about. Um, that's my health. Uh, 
I've been having a bunch of health issues this past year, uh, which from both a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint, um, my mental health is something that I've struggled with uh, for my most of my adult life uh, and in pretty heavy ways. Uh, and I kind of talked about that in the past, but never necessarily about how much it does, does affect me. Um, and this past year with uh, all the madness going on on all fronts, it seems, uh, it's been really hard to try and stay on top of my mental health, my physical health as well, um, and be able to be in a place where I can feel like myself and continue to thrive. And then when you throw in the, the physical health issues that I've been having uh, into that mix, um, it's just been hard. And I know that's a sentiment that a lot of us share. Uh, so I do try and be proactive in how I take care of myself. Uh, and there have been apps and tools that I've been using that have been helping me on that front. Um, and the first one I want to talk about is Waking Up by Sam Harris, which is a meditation app. So I've been an on-again, off-again meditator for a couple of years. Uh, I started off with Headspace. Headspace was really the place where like, I was first introduced to meditation and and dove a little deeper into it. It was like the first meditation app I definitely like subscribed to. Uh, and I still think it's a fantastic app, and it's still the one that I would recommend to people if, who are looking to get into, into meditation, only because I feel like the courses in theory that they present are like really accessible to most like people, um, and it's a good starting point. Whereas other ones like I've also used Calm, I've used Oak, uh, I've used just the timer function on my phone before. Calm and Oak are great, but like there, there's not like an actual like course that kind of walks you through like listen, like this is normal that you're experiencing this when you're meditating and you can actually use this as an opportunity to strengthen your practice. Um, so over the summer, I decided I want to go a little deeper into into my my, meditative, my meditation practice and take a more formal course. And I'd heard a lot of people recommending uh, Sam Harris's Waking Up app. It had like a 28-day intro course. I think it used to be a 50-day course and they, they shortened it. Um Anyways, but I never looked into it because it was expensive. It was like 130 bucks Canadian uh, for the membership. Um, and I was like, eh, I don't want to do that. But then when I was trying to figure out, okay, how can, how can I get to my, myself to a place where I'll be able to uh, thrive this year, uh, I decided that I need to be proactive in, in a lot of mental health uh, areas, and meditation was one of them. So I bit the bullet, and I got myself my membership. Um, I completed the 28-day course, and I've been using the app for – on an almost daily basis ever since. Uh, the course is fantastic. Uh, it's so, so different than anything else I've experienced. And in terms of like uh, all the different ways that it helps you think about meditation, think about consciousness, uh, is just so incredibly interesting. And then within the app, there's also a lot of different like learning materials. Uh, so there's like pod, there's like a podcast that's specific to the app. There are videos. There are like many and meditation courses. So there's a lot there to complement that and, and keep you um, keep you growing uh, in, in terms of your, your practice. Uh, I definitely, definitely, definitely think that like there's a ton of benefit to the, the membership. I know that uh, Waking Up also has like flexible pricing. So was, there's something along the lines like, like if you can't afford the app, they don't want that to be a barrier. So you can contact them. You can you can let them know the situation and why why you're hoping that the app will help, and and they'll hook you up. I can't vouch for that because I didn't go that route. Uh, but I do know it's something that they promote pretty heavily in the app. Um, I'd say if you're getting into meditation, I would definitely start with something like Headspace or Calm. 
Um, but if you're definitely if you're looking at something that's going to help you take your next step, I I really recommend you checking uh, Waking Up. Um, the next app is like a, definitely a late addition to this game because it came out like I forget it came out in December I think uh, of 2020. Um, but I have been absolutely loving Apple Fitness Plus. Holy smokes, it's fun. Uh, the trainers are great. I'm always able to find a workout that I can complete at home. And again, like I'm working on my kitchen and I've got, thank God I, I have a set of dumbbells that uh, I had at school and I brought home, uh, uh, in the fall. And at one point I was like, Oh, I should sell these. I'm not really using that much. And I kept them. Um, and now I look at the prices of uh, dumbbells on, on, uh, on Facebook marketplace. And they're like, they're like my version of Bitcoin. Um, Anyways, uh, and the music in Apple Fitness Plus, obviously, is just, like, so great. I was, like, working out the other day, and, like, um, All About the Benjamins came on. I was just like, this is great. I'm just, this is, I'm loving this moment right now. Uh, and the thing that I love most about Apple Fitness Plus is that, like, the version I'm using right now is their launch version. Like, this is, this is just, like, the start of it. And it's only going to get better and better and better from here. Um, and I'm really digging it. So I'm, I'm into the strength workouts. I do the yoga workouts. Um we live above a nurse. So I try and be really respectful and like, not like be super noisy. So I haven't done the hit workouts uh, at home, but I do plan on getting to those and I don't have any cardio, uh, machines at home. Um, but once my wife has the baby and has recovered and everything, I am hoping that we can get in some couples, uh, dance workouts because those look like they're an absolute blast. Uh, the next app is, uh, Jour or Jor, I guess is how most people would pronounce it. Um, Jour is a, it's French for day, but I guess also the first part of journaling. I really cleaned into that. Uh, okay, so I know that journaling is one of the habits that can have the most profound impact on my mental well-being. And I know that being able to use journaling as a way to kind of shape your inner dialogue can be really, really powerful in terms of like helping you shift your mindset when you're heading kind of like to that darker place. Uh, and I've been doing all my journaling for years in an app called Day One, which I still use. It's fantastic. I actually have multiple journals set up in Day One now. So I have like my journaling. So like when I feel the need to sit down and like write about something, I do that in, journal, in Day One. I also have like a beer journal because I like really, I like craft beers. So like, and I always forget which ones I've tried before. So I usually snap a pic and I have like a little five-star rating on it. And I'm starting to use it as well. Um, well, I was starting to use it for birding, but now I'm going to start using eBird uh, instead, um, because apparently that's the go-to app. Uh, now the thing is, is this whole pandemic and the political landscape and, uh, just everything going on in the world right now has been really hard to, for me, has made it really hard for me to maintain a healthy inner dialogue. Um, and I do see a psychologist and I'm not ashamed to say that whatsoever. I think, uh, I think everybody, even people who find themselves in a really balanced, happy place should be speaking to a psychologist if you're able to only because like i one of my biggest regrets is not going to see my psychologist when things are good and only going to see her when um like i'm in like a moment of crisis almost uh but i do go see a psychologist and and that helps but i needed something that was going to be helping me more like on a day-to-day basis because my my appointments were like few and far between and day one sometimes although like it's great i like shaping my inner dialogue if I'm in a bad place, like it tends to like, it shows in my journaling. Um, so Jora is a journaling app that is built on mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And the way it kind of works, so if I'm explaining my, my kind of user experience with the app, is in the morning I, I get up and then uh, a couple of minutes after I'm awake, I get my notification from Jor. And then the first thing you do is you do like a self-assessment. Kind of asks you like, 
how are you feeling today? What's causing you to feel this way? Um, how would you like to feel at the end of the day? Kind of like like questions like that. And then based off that self-assessment, it recommends one of its guided uh, uh, journaling reflections to you. And these are really great and they're pretty varied. Um, like I've only done like some of them that I've done a couple times and that's not a bad thing too. Uh, and, but the questions are really powerful and they kind of get you through. And what's what's nice with Jor is that it's, it's uh, very, very quick. It's very short. You're not sitting down like writing 4,000 words per like... Uh, Per question, usually I'm writing like one sentence or sometimes even just a word as my answer. Uh, I've been using the app for a couple months now, and I have to say I've been really impressed at the impact it's been able to have on my mental well-being, uh, even in those moments of tension. Um, and if you're someone who's having a hard time right now, just getting out of your head and starting to feel better and and shifting your perspective and focusing on the things that you can control in this moment in time, I definitely recommend you check it out. Uh, I don't know if I'm able to tweet out my my 30 day trial thing, but uh, maybe I'll try. If if you're someone who's interested, tweet at me and I'll, and I'll send you that link uh, so you can try out the 30 day trial. I don't I don't get any kickback or anything for it. I think it's just as a short subscriber, they're they're growth hacking. They're wanting to get more users. Um, so definitely recommend that. And the uh, last app I want to talk about. There are very few apps in my life that I can say I use for hours and hours on on a daily basis, and Endel is one of them. Okay, Endo's a very weird app. It's an AI-powered soundscapes app that generates like a goal-oriented, so like you can select focus, relaxation, sleep, recovery. There was like lullabies at one point. Um, it creates this kind of a sound environment that's tailored to your current location and your metrics. And apparently pulls in all kinds of metrics from like like your Apple Health and like all of that to try and create this like ongoing, like never-ending soundscape. Um, my wife often asks me, like, what are you listening to? Because I'll be like sitting down reading with my headphones on. I was like, I'm listening to my robots, which is what I call Endo when I'm listening to it. Uh, I use Endo when I wake up early in the morning to help get my brain getting into work mode. So I usually put on the focus mode, throw on my Sonys, and then as I'm making my coffee, okay, like it starts like going. And I really find that it has an impact. Like I I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I definitely am crazy that I'm, I'm comfortable uh, stating. Um, but I really find like it works. And then uh, uh, in the evening, same thing. I use it when I'm trying to uh, uh, relax. When uh, when if I'm reading in the afternoon, let's say, or at night, like I put on the sleep one before bed and it really helps me uh, fall asleep faster, I find. It's supposedly all backed by science, although I haven't done a, a super deep dive into that. So uh, let's put that one in air quotes. Uh but and they're doing all kinds of crazy partnerships with like different companies that just makes me feel like this app is going to continue to evolve and evolve. So definitely check it out. It's really cool. It's not for everyone. Not everybody likes like these white noise kind of apps, um, but I'm into it and it's been working for me. So I'm happy to keep using it. All right. Last section are my tools for fitness. Okay. First off, I have an Apple Watch Series 6. And I used to have an Apple Watch Series 3 until my son used it as an airplane one day. And then it got like a little hairline crack in it. And then I would always take my Apple Watch out with me when I'd go paddleboarding. And I'm I'm not bad at paddleboarding, so I'm rarely in the water when I'm paddleboarding. Because um, I'm usually up on my board still. <laughs> and then I was out paddling one day and I was like a couple kilometers into the paddle. And it was really, really hot. It's like, you know, I'm just going to dive in the water and come back out. There's no jellyfish today. I dove in the water, came out, checked my watch. And I was on the fritz. <laughs> it was not doing good. I did not appreciate the water. It did not appreciate salt water. It did not appreciate me. And that was the end of my Apple Watch. Now, 
here's the weird thing about the Apple Watch. When I got it, um, and people would ask me, like, is it worth the money? I often said, like, it's nice, but, like, it's a luxury. You do not need an Apple Watch. And I still feel like that. All this stuff I'm talking about today, these are not things that you need. These are nice things to have, but they're not things that you need. Um, but that's it. when I was without my watch for a while. That's when I started realizing, like, holy smokes, like, I was using this thing a lot more than I realized it. Obviously, the main use for my watch is telling time. Even though I have a very hard time reading a clock, I don't know why my wife laughs at me all the time because I'm usually off by an hour when I tell her what time it is, uh, unless I'm on like the digital, like or the uh, the uh, yeah the digital uh, watch face. Um, but anyways, I use that, and then I use it for my health and fitness insights. Uh, I don't get any push notifications to it except for iMessage, and I don't give my phone number out to people um, because I try and keep that for family and close friends only. Uh, so I don't get any push notifications to it because I don't want it to be that I'm like, again, hanging out with my family and get pulled out of that moment because I got like this like upsetting notification on my watch. Uh, and when I was teaching, uh, like I said, when I'm teaching, I, I do use it uh, as a remote for the music in my gym, uh, which is great. So all this to say that I did get the Apple Series 6 at launch and I love it and uh, and I love it more than I've ever loved it before. <laughs> um, although the, the blood oxygen sensor is cool, like I don't really use that. Uh, I guess like I kind of was at first because I was like, do I have COVID? I'm be checking my blood oxygen. I was like, okay, no, I don't. Um, and I don't think even that's <laughs> precise or medically sound. Um, anyways, uh just with like the heart stuff I've been dealing with for the past year, uh, I do use the heart rate monitoring and the ECG features uh, to try and do a tracing um, when I when I am getting my my moments. Uh, and you know, like if I'm being honest, I think it's good because I think sometimes like I'm saying it's okay, things look okay with my heart, and then other times I'm like overthinking it, and I feel like I'm just stressing myself out more than anything else. Uh, but anyways, I do use it all the time also for like fitness stuff. So like I'm recording my runs, I'm recording my walks. Uh, it's The Apple Watch is kind of a key to being able to use Apple Fitness Plus, um, which is all right. But like I feel bad. Like a lot of people can't afford an Apple Watch. They're freaking expensive. So like you can not get into that. But anyways, can't blame Apple. Uh, anyways, uh, so I definitely use my Apple Watch. I'm definitely much more of an Apple Watch advocate than I used to be. And I really, really do love the watch. Uh, it's pretty great. Uh, the next one, you're, you're going to laugh at me for this. So um, I am 100% addicted to my phone. I have no issue putting my MacBook away. I have no issue putting my iPad away. Uh, but my phone's always out. And I always blame it like on the fact that like I have a kid. I'm like, oh, I'm snapping pictures of him and everything. Uh, the reality is that like this phone, like it was designed to like capture my attention. And that's what it does. And I have a hard time breaking that. Um, and I think it's been become really, really unhealthy. I think... The amount of doom scrolling I've done over the past year is frightening. Uh, the, like yesterday, I was I was just watching what's happening on the Capitol and then seeing like the um, the announcements being made by our government here about the curfews and the lockdowns and everything, and the number of cases blowing up, and like it was just not a good space. And like it was like I could feel it I could physically, I could feel it mentally, I could feel it. Uh, and I I need to be getting better control of this addiction that I have with my phone. Um, and I read a New York Times article on a person who read the How to Break Up Your Phone book, which I actually have on Kindle. I just haven't read it completely yet. Um, and one of the things he does in that article is that he gets himself a safe for it, like a little tiny safe. So I looked it up and it's an Amazon basic safe. I was like, it was like 25 bucks, I think. And I was like, I'm going to try this out. And it's great. It's like the perfect size for two iPhones. And there's like um, a security cable that you can use it. But like that creates like a little hole of a port 
on the side of the safe. So you can actually pass a lightning cable through in there. So if I if my phone was like dying, uh, I can plug it in and, and lock it in. And I actually see like the benefits happening because like my screen time report has shown that like my screen time has gone down since I've had the safe. Um, I also just feel like the habits that I have now is that like when I get home from work, I put my phone in the safe or if it's dinner time, I put my phone in the safe. And it's just great um, because it, it adds that extra level of, or that extra barrier to me just like picking it up and seeing what's happening and having to unlock the safe also, uh, makes it so that like, I have to like, as I'm unlocking, I have to think about the commitment that I've made to myself and to my family as I'm doing it. And usually I'm like, ah, no, I don't want to be checking this thing right now. Uh, and I know that sounds crazy, but it works. It also has replaced that whole urge of me picking up my phone with like a desire instead to like pick up a book or go work on a puzzle I've got on the go or play a quick game of Wingspan, which is like my new favorite like board game slash video game uh, that I've played. It's just super relaxing. And I don't know. 2020 is for the birds. <laughs> um, uh, and I told my wife too, we talked about it, like if I ever got crazy and like I found myself really having a hard time, like not just keeping my phone down, I was going to give her one, uh, let uh, one number on the three number combination for the safe. So that like if an emergency happened, I had to get to my phone, I still could, but it would take me like up to 10 tries to figure out which number she had set. Um, and I don't know, I, I, once this pandemic's over and we're able to start having people over again, I really think it's going to be a rule. You come to the house, you put your phone in the safe and the story. And like no more fubbing, no more like like being disconnected when we're there. If anything, anything, hopefully this pandemic has taught us like how much we should be cherishing the time that we actually get to spend together in person and get, making the most of that. And uh, if it's a stupid little Amazon basic safe that saves a day, so be it. Um, <laughs> the next one too, this is also a late uh, entry into my uh, tools for, for well-being. Uh, at Christmas, my wife bought me a, a weighted blanket. So along with all these issues that I've been having this past year, uh, sleep has been a big one. I've, I have a really solid sleep routine. Like I'm, I'm good about sleep, uh, in terms of what I do going into, into bed at night, like getting myself ready, like all that, that, that idea of sleep hygiene and then being consistent with my, my, my bedtimes, my wake up times, all that, like it's good, but I've been having a hard time falling asleep and then staying asleep. Um, and it's had a big impact on my mood and my mental health. And my, my wife has a friend who has similar uh, issues as I've been experiencing. And she recommended that we try out a weighted blanket. So my wife got me one for Christmas. And holy smokes, almost instantly you put that blanket on and it just feels uh, just so calming. We got like a 15 pound one and it's like for a single bed. So like it's just perfect for like one person. So like if I'm taking a nap on the couch or I will bring it in the, in bed at times and like lie down, like if I know that like I'm worked up and my brain's all over the place and I haven't had a good day, uh, just to help me sleep better. And I've been definitely sleeping better. It's if, if it's something, if, if you're struggling with anxiety and, and, and sleep, um, and you don't know what to try next, maybe try a weighted blanket for me. Like, honestly, like I'm loving it, but I guess I haven't had it very long either, but it's been a big hit already. Uh, Next up is my uh, Keep Cup Thermal. So my Keep Cup is a, think of it as like a coffee shop cup, um, but like a permanent one. So I had a Keep Cup for years, or I've had a Keep Cup for years. I have a, it's like made of glass and it's got like a little cork band around it. It's lovely. Um, and I love my Keep Cup. Uh, but the thing is that, so I have like a really intense morning routine. So my morning routine starts my night routine where at night, I lay out my Chemex, I lay out my Chemex filter, I have the water in the kettle that I'll need to boil, just the right amount so it doesn't take too long to boil. I have my keep cup set up. 
I have my computer uh, laid out, my glasses, my my headphones. I have the stool ready, so I set a stool in the kitchen because I'm not working in the where I usually work in my office because it's too close to my son's bedroom. Um, I've got my slippers and a sweater laid out because right now it's like cool in the morning because it's winter time and it's cold here. Uh, and I do all that, and then so I, when I get out of bed in the morning, I head I head to the kitchen. I turn the um, I turn the kettle on. And then while the kettle is going, I'm getting my computer ready, get my glasses on, set up, get into my slippers and my my um, my shirt, and then I make myself my coffee with my Chemex, uh, and then I drink it. And but then what happens is that by the time I start drinking it, I'm I'm already into work. And when I'm working, like I said before, especially when I got Endo going on my Sony's, uh, I can get really like lost in work pretty easily, which means that I drink my coffee very very slowly, uh, and it's. I'm going to go ahead and say 90% of the time before I start using my thermal, uh, I'm drinking cold coffee uh, like every morning, like a half if not three quarters of it, um, which is a shame because I really love like a hot cup of joe. Uh, anyway, so um, my sister-in-law, she had me for our secret, our family secret Santa a couple of years back or two years ago, and she got me this Keep Cup Thermal, which is the same kind of cup except it's a thermal cup. Like it's made out of stainless steel. Feels really nice, like the perfect little size. I use it. It keeps my hot, my coffee nice and warm, nice and hot, so that by the time like my son wakes up and like I'm out, I'm still drinking hot coffee, and it just makes my morning that much nicer. So I'm adding the keep cup thermal there, especially like as a shout out to Alex, um, but also because I love it. Like even like when uh, if I have to walk to work uh, in the morning and it's super cold outside, like the it works great to keeping my my coffee to go uh, on the go. And the very last item I'm going to mention here is my Philips wake-up light. So I get up early in the morning. I usually up between 5, 5.15, and that's when I get to work. Um, now, I have not always been a morning person. I was actually like a super hardcore like night owl. Like I used to love uh, being able to like have my whole day and then at 8 p.m. make a coffee and then sit down and do work to like... 1, 2, 3 a.m. Um, and that's how, like, especially in the early days of the website, that's kind of how I was working all the time uh, because I wasn't in my 30s then and I was invincible, I guess. <laughs> uh, now I am not invincible. Um, so it, it definitely, it was hard for me to try and get used to uh, getting up early. Like I said, like, I get up early because when my son arrived, like, I just found that, like, by the end of the day, I was so exhausted. Like, I wasn't able to work at night and I wasn't being productive. And the mornings are so, so quiet because he sleeps. He's a, like, knock wood, like he's a good sleeper uh, and he sleeps every day till uh, 7.15. Um, so he's super consistent. He has a little wake up light too, actually, which has uh, been key in all this. Uh, so I had to train myself to like become a morning person. And part of that was being able to get up early. Uh, now in the summertime, it's not so bad because like I said, we're at, we're at the beach and I'm waking up usually right around uh, sunrise anyways. Uh, but in the winter, I find it really, really hard to pull myself out of bed, especially when you're pulling yourself out of bed to like do work, right? Um, so what I did is I got myself this Philips wake-up light. It was actually a recommendation from a friend at work uh, who said she was using it for a while and that she loved it. So I got it. It's really nice. So what it does in the morning is that like half hour before my wake-up time, it simulates like uh a sunrise so it goes from like this like dark red light to like this bright white light over 30 minutes and then at my alarm time instead of like a rude alarm i have it set to like bird calls i'm usually always up before the bird calls i'm usually wake up like within like 10 15 minutes of the light first turning on i guess 
uh, and it's really great. And I find like I just wake up, I feel refreshed, I feel good. I don't feel like su- it's not super jarring, like waking up to like an alarm or like for a while I had like my watch like buzzing in the morning to wake me up, so it wasn't waking up my wife as well. Uh, but she sleeps with an eye mask anyway, so the light doesn't bother her. Um, and yeah, like I find like it's been a huge help. And at night as well, like it's really nice. So at night you can have it set so that it simulates a sunset. Uh, so like I'll, I'll like go to bed and I grab my Kindle, um, which is another tool I use, uh, for stuff. I wasn't talking about that there, but it's like a first generation Kindle and it's still kicking. It's great. I like, I keep wanting to replace it. I was like, why would I replace this? It's perfect. It's still doing exactly what it's supposed to do. So there's a big blob on the, on the, the screen where I dropped it once. Uh, anywho, um, and I set the timer for like 45 to 60 minutes and then just read some fiction. I'm reading fantasy. I'm currently rereading the whole, uh, Stormlight Archive series because the latest book just came out, but I hadn't read like Oathbringer, which is like the before last book, uh, like ever since Oathbringer came out. So I'm rereading that. I don't know if you're into fantasy. It's really, really good. Uh, and then I just read and the room gets gradually darker and darker and darker. It's very soothing. And at some point I'm just like, okay, it's too dark. I'm going to bed now. And I go to bed. And between that and the weighted blanket and the robots and everything, most nights I'm getting a good night's sleep. <laughs> so that's it. So the Phillips wake up light. So uh, that was an extremely long, uh, tedious episode. Uh, I hope you, like, I don't know. I'm assuming at least one of you listening to this is into this kind of post um, and likes talking gadgets and talking apps and stuff like that. And I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you gave up a long time ago, so be it. That's okay. I understand. You got busy stuff to do. You got an, a holy smokes, an hour and forty two minutes to to listen to something. Um, but yeah, so there's a ton of stuff that I didn't talk about, like things like tools I use for like learning, uh, apps I use for learning. So like I'm on Twitter, YouTube, Kindle, Audible all the time. Audible, I love Audible. Um, and PDF Expert to talk a little bit about. Uh, but I might add some more information, some more links. Um in the the show notes blog post to this uh so you can go check that out if you uh have not done so yet if you're listening to this somehow or not subscribed please make sure you subscribe to the phys ed show podcast because uh i have a lot new content coming out and not stuff like this that has very little to do with teaching but a lot of stuff that I think is going to really help you in your teaching and help you grow as an educator and that hopefully will inspire you to bring cool awesome new ideas to your school and just make 2021 uh, the best year of your career ever, even though we know it's going to be a different one. Uh, so that's it for today. Once again, my name is Joey Fight from thephysicaleducator.com. Uh, stay safe. Stay sane. Please, please, please take care of yourselves. Put yourself first. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Happy teaching. <laughs>